0: I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love i am nothing if i give away all i have and if i deliver up my body to be burned but i have not love i gain nothing love is patient and kind love does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this time to gather together as your people, as your body, one body, many members, uh, different functions. God, we pray tonight that as we come to your word, that you would humble us, that you would encourage us, that you would convict us. Lord, that you would give us an openness and a humility of spirit. God, we thank you for this family. We thank you that this is a place where all people can walk in a spiritual, on a spiritual journey with you and receive grace and love. And Holy Spirit, we pray that as we've already experienced, Lord, that your presence and your power would be made known in this moment tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So tonight we're going to jump right into the third category of the three categories we've set out of spiritual gifts. And I want to encourage you, as I encouraged last week, if you are a copious note taker and you like to take notes, text into our text and number on the back of your worship program, the word hi to our text and number. There are a whole lot of sermon notes there. I was told unless you have T-Mobile, you can't text in here. So I'm sorry, you're going to have to uh, change carriers. In order to get the sermon notes. But uh, text in, there's a lot of notes there, definitions and helpful resources for you. So so follow along with us in that fashion. Two weeks ago, we looked at the first category of spiritual gifts, love gifts, and they are meant to demonstrate the love of God practically in the church. That's their purpose. Last week, we looked at the word gifts, and word gifts clarify the nature, actions, and purposes of God in the church. And this week, we are looking at power gifts and power gifts make known they demonstrate the presence the power and the reality of God in the moment and when I said that a lot of you are like yes finally been waiting for this sermon been waiting to hear what is going to be said here and the rest of you are like oh no it's power gifts week what's going to be some of you are like this is my first time here I don't know what is going on bear with us we were walking through this series of spiritual gifts, and, and, and the reason we had that reaction is that these gifts that are contained in this category are the most controversial. Um, they're definitely the most controversial for our tradition and for many of us here, but they're controversial not only because of maybe theological objection or because you're unfamiliar with some of these gifts and you haven't been in and around them, but also because these gifts are often misused, and they're tools of manipulation at times. And maybe you've been a part of a church or an environment where you have faced spiritual abuse regarding these gifts. Maybe they were elevated to uh, a higher plane than other gifts. And as we've been saying all throughout this series, there's no first-class gifts and economy gifts. There's no hierarchy of spiritual gifts. But maybe you struggle with this because of that experience. And so before we even jump in to discuss any of the particulars of these spiritual gifts, I need to say something that's really important, and that is that if you have a power gift, if God has confirmed that in you, if the Holy Spirit confirms that in you tonight or later, there's two things that are necessary, two actions that have to frame your use and deployment of a power gift, and that is you have to ask and you have to clarify. This is so vital. You have to ask permission to use the gift. You have to ask someone if you can pray over them or for them. You have to ask someone if you can share a word or a thought with them. You have to ask in a church service if you can use your gift. To ask permission. You see the gifts work together and especially these gifts submit to other gifts to be tested. And that's the second part is not only do you have to ask permission, you also have to clarify. You have to clarify that... Having one of these spiritual gifts does not mean that you have some type of power that you can use like a superhero whenever you want. It's that God works in and through you. And because God works in and through you through these gifts, there may be times where the gifts are flawed and they're uh, not exactly 100% right in different regards. That's why many of these gifts were told that there needs to be testing and you have to determine through the use of other gifts to see what is right and what is good. Because it's dependent upon God working in and through you. And I really believe that if more people and more churches that viewed these gifts in full use today and people that believe that God has given them a power gift just asked permission and then clarified that we're dependent upon God here, that there would be much less spiritual abuse and that hopefully what would take place is they'd be less controversial, more familiar, and we would see the church interacting in the way it was meant to. Where all the gifts are working together for the building up of the body of Christ for good instead of this kind of separation that we see. And so here's what I'm going to ask you, because I know a lot of you are coming in with different backgrounds and experiences and thoughts for all of us to arrive at God's word this evening with humility and with openness, not simply to what I'm going to say, to what, to what God's word says. We trust that the Holy Spirit is going to confirm and encourage us this evening, because I truly believe that all of the spiritual gifts, including these, have been given to the church, not only so that it can survive, but it can thrive. These gifts working together bring life to the church. And so we're going to jump in. Are you ready to jump in? Oh, okay. I guess not. Are you ready to jump in? There we go. I like that. That's much better. More response. This is a power gift kind of thing, guys. Let's go. So we have been, um, the passage that was read was 1 Corinthians 13. And the reason that we're dealing with that passage to begin with before we talk about the individual gifts is because this passage is used on, on both sides of beliefs about these gifts. Some people read this passage and believe that what it's saying is that some of these gifts have passed away or ceased. And so if we didn't deal with this, some of you would leave tonight and be like, I don't know why we talked about a bunch of gifts that I don't believe exist. That was a waste of time. So we're going to look at that in this passage as we frame our conversation. And if you notice, 1 Corinthians 13 sits in between two other chapters, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. That's math, if you're wondering, 12 and 14. 13 is right in the middle. And if you recall, throughout this series, we've been dealing with 1 Corinthians 12, and that is about spiritual gifts. The Apostle Paul is talking about all these different spiritual gifts that have been given to the church. He says the church is a body, many members, different functions. The Holy Spirit gives you these gifts. He empowers them in you. God has chosen chosen them for you. They're for the common good in the church. And then chapter 14, which we're going to look at in a moment, the Apostle Paul talks about three spiritual gifts. It's It's a deep dive into the spiritual gifts of prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. And this chapter sits right in the middle It's a very famous chapter, but notice its context and keep that in your mind. Look at the first three verses. The Apostle Paul says this. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned... But have not love, I gain nothing. He's pulling out a few spiritual gifts here. The spiritual gift of giving, which is in the love gift category, and prophecy and tongues and faith, which is contained in the power gift category. And he says, you can exercise these gifts, really any spiritual gift. But if you deploy it, and if you use it, and it's not undergirded and supported with love, it's worthless. It's meaningless. It's a waste of time. Because love is irreplaceable. And then he, right after this, says what love is. He describes it, gives markers of what it looks like to show love. He says, love is patient and kind. Love love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Maybe one of the most famous passages in the entire Bible. Some of you have been to a wedding ceremony where this is read. Maybe you were a reader of this passage. Maybe you are married and you had this passage in your wedding. Very common, right? Because it describes love in this really helpful way and it's helpful for our relationships of building health and caring for one another well by loving each other in this fashion. But do you notice the context of where this sits? In a passage that's talking about spiritual gifts in between two other passages chapter 12 and 14 talking about spiritual gifts you see the apostle paul is saying that when you use your spiritual gifts when you deploy them this is how you do it with love you're patient and kind and not insisting on your own way And you're not arrogant and not boastful you're rejoicing not in wrongdoing but in truth Spiritual gifts, all of them, including the power gifts, need to be undergirded and supported with love in the way that you use them. You need to ask and then clarify because love is superior to all of these things. He says that next as he says, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away for we know in part and we prophesy in part. So he pulls out a few examples here of some spiritual gifts and he says these things are going to pass away they're going to cease the question is okay well when when are they going to cease when are they going to pass away and be no longer necessary verse 10 when the perfect comes the partial these things will pass away just at first glance reading who or what is the perfect that's promised to come jesus See, there's debate about maybe it's the Scripture and when, it, when the canon of Scripture came all together. But it seems very clear that what the Apostle Paul is saying is that when the perfect that has been promised, that is Jesus, returns, the spiritual gifts, not just prophecy and tongues and knowledge, but all the spiritual gifts will pass away because they're no longer necessary. They're important now, but not when the perfect comes. That's what he says, he's getting at, I believe, in verse 12, where he says, for now, here's what it's like now for us. We see in a mirror dimly lit, but then, when the perfect comes, face to face. Now I know in part, but then, when the perfect comes, I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. You see, he says in the moment, we look as if we're viewing truth and God's nature and his love and his presence and his power as if we're looking into a mirror dimly lit. We can't see all of it. We can't make out all of it in our sinfulness and in our brokenness. With our finite minds, we're not able to see fully. We only know in part. But then when the perfect comes, he says, we won't see as if we're looking into a mirror dimly lit. We'll see face to face. We won't know in part. We'll then know fully. Just as we are fully known. God knows us fully through Christ. His grace has been given to us through faith, and we are known fully by God, but we are still broken. We know in part. But then when the perfect comes, And we're face-to-face with Christ. We will know fully. You see, the spiritual gifts have been given to the church for the building up of the church so that they might demonstrate the love of God, they might clarify the truth and nature of God, and they might make known the power and presence of God in the moment. You know when those things won't be necessary? When you're face-to-face with Jesus. You don't need a spiritual gift to make known the love of Jesus when you're face-to-face with him. You don't need spiritual gifts to clarify the nature and purposes and actions of God when you're face-to-face with Jesus. You don't need power gifts to make known the power and presence and reality of God in the moment when you're face-to-face with Jesus. And so as we live in this existence of knowing in part and seeing in a mirror dimly lit, we use the spiritual gifts undergirded and supported with love. I believe it's it's clear that all of the spiritual gifts are in full use and relevant today for the church. They're meant to function together so that we can survive, but not only that, thrive. As we know, in part, and as we see, the love of Jesus and the truth of God's word and the power and presence of God through the gifts we're going to look at this evening, we need all of them, not just some of them. So the first gift up is the gift of prophecy gift of prophecy, and the definition is if you text in, for all the non-T-Mobile users, prophecy is an utterance for God in the moment by God for the community. An utterance for the moment by God for the community. Prophecy is a corporate gift. It is... It it happens and takes place in a corporate worship setting. It is a situational or predictive word. If you have the spiritual gift of prophecy, God gives you a predictive or a situational word that you feel compelled to share in a corporate setting that will edify or encourage or convict or challenge the whole church or a few individuals or one individual even in that setting. But, and this is so important, The spiritual gift of prophecy is fallible, meaning it's capable of failing. We believe one thing is infallible, that's God's word, incapable of failing, but prophecy can fail. In fact, we see that in the New Testament. There's a man in Acts 21 by the name of Agabus. They had some unbelievable names there a couple weeks ago. We saw Dorcas, now we have Agabus. And Agabus had the spiritual gift of prophecy. And he's in this, this community setting and the Apostle Paul is there. And he says that God has given him a word, a predictive word to share, the Apostle Paul, a prophetic word. And he says, you are going to be bound by the Jews and handed over to the Romans. I don't think Paul was very excited about that prophetic word. But that ended up happening, but not exactly the way that Agabus said. The Apostle Paul was later bound by the Romans, and they took him and imprisoned him. But he, the Romans were the ones that bound him and took him away, not the Jews. The Jews wanted to kill him, and the Romans bound him and took him and imprisoned him. Ironically, and not knowing it, they rescued him in that process. You see, the Agabus, using the spiritual gift of prophecy, got most of it right, but some of the details were off. And that's true of the spiritual gift of prophecy. And that's why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.20, so important, Do not treat prophecies with contempt. That's real important. Don't be like, well, if it's not 100% true, why even listen? Just don't worry about it. But test them all and hold on to what is good. Remember how we've been saying the spiritual gifts are to function together. There should be discernment and leadership when someone has a prophetic or Whether it's predictive or situational word for the church, there should be others that can help to discern and to lead and to gauge what is good and what should be shared. Knowing that it's dependent upon God speaking and working through. And so if you have this spiritual gift, maybe you've shared publicly before, maybe you've just hidden it. But when you're in a corporate worship setting, in a church service, maybe there's been moments where God's given you a verse that you feel like you need to share. A thought or an image, something that doesn't necessarily connect with you, but you feel like someone needs to hear it. This is the spiritual gift of prophecy, but it must be tested. And we're thinking of ways that this can be a part of a worship setting in an orderly fashion. Because it can't have you guys just like standing up and saying stuff, you know? That's too hard to test in the moment. The next spiritual gift is the gift of tongues. And this isn't a big deal, so we'll just move through it quickly. This is uh, the most controversial gift. Like all of you are waiting for this one, right? This is the most controversial gift of all the spiritual gifts. And you know what's interesting? It always has been. Because it has been misused time and time again. In the very beginning of the church, in the first century, the Apostle Paul writes chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians to the church in Corinth because they're misusing this gift. And some of you have been a part of experiences where... Um, the power gifts, especially the, the spiritual gift of tongues, was elevated, maybe elevated above the others. And you were told that if you believe in Jesus and if the Holy Spirit has filled you, you will have the spiritual gift of tongues. Everybody has it, and you have to pray for it, and you have to receive it. And maybe you never received it or you faked it, and you felt insecure about that. You feel Full of shame you feel like maybe you don't have enough faith or maybe you were told you don't have enough faith and god's upset at you because he hasn't given you this gift if that's your experience i want to say i'm sorry because that's not biblical that's a misuse of this spiritual gift you see here's what's true and it's important to hear this not every single christian follower of jesus has this gift just like all of the gifts They have been chosen by God and given to some. As he chooses, the Spirit appoints them and empowers them in people. It's not dependent upon how much faith you have or don't have. It is dependent upon the Spirit giving you this gift. The Apostle Paul actually imagines a church where everybody speaks in tongues. He says this in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 14. He says, if therefore the whole church comes together imagine that, and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Yeah, they will. Probably you've been like, yeah, I found that. See, this is not the way that it's meant to be used in a corporate setting. In fact, the apostle Paul says, you should let two, maybe three people share that have the spiritual gift of tongues. This is not a statistical study. This is just something I think, and so I could be wrong. But I would venture to say that probably 90% of all of the experiences of tongues that we see are a misuse at best, not supported by Scripture, oftentimes not undergirded with love. But here's what's important. Just because a spiritual gift is misused does not mean it doesn't exist, and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue it. I think as a church, we should take the posture of learners, learning and being open and trusting that God through his spirit is going to work in the way that he wants to, even if it's through a gift that many of us are unfamiliar with and maybe a little fearful of. So what is the spiritual gift of tongues? This gift allows one to speak, to worship, or to pray in a language unknown to them. So if you have the spiritual gift of tongues, you can speak or worship or pray at times, it's not all the time, at times, in a language unknown to you. And this is where there's some debate. Some people say, well, I believe in the spiritual gift of tongues, but I believe that it's always delivered in a known language, whether that's Portuguese or Mandarin or French or whatever, that the person speaking it may not know the language, but God uses it to share the gospel with somebody in a different language, and so they understand, even though the person speaking doesn't. Most people that believe this, they look back to Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, where the birth of the church really starts from that point. What's interesting in Acts chapter 2, after Jesus has ascended, all of these people are gathered from different cultures all over the world. It's really a reverse of the Tower of Babel all the way back in Genesis. There's this story of the Tower of Babel where the people of God are gathered and they're like, we don't need God anymore. We're going to build a tower up to the heavens and show him what we're capable of. And God says, okay, and then he confuses their language and they disperse well here in acts 2 he gathers them all back together different cultures and he gives a spiritual gift of tongues to those preaching the gospel and all the people there begin to hear the gospel being shared in their language a known language but just because the spiritual gift of tongues in this instance is in a known language does not mean it's always deployed in a known language 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, the Apostle Paul in this chapter about tongues and prophecy, he says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. He doesn't say, but he doesn't understand, or she doesn't understand, but the person who speaks that language understands. When one speaks in tongues, no one understands understands because what they utter is a mystery of the Spirit. You see, in in Acts 2, we see this historical narrative where the gift of tongues is expressed in a known language. And then here in 1 Corinthians 14, we see a doctrinal instruction where the spiritual gift of tongues is unknown both to the person using the gift and all of those listening. So it seems to suggest the spiritual gift of tongues can be Deployed in a known and unknown language. And I know some of you have the spiritual gift of tongues. Many of you have told me. Some of you maybe have never told anyone. You've kept it private because you don't know if there's an interpreter and you're seeking to follow scripture and maybe you haven't been in an environment where you felt like that was accepted. And it's a part of your personal prayer life and God encourages you and edifies you and you feel a deep connection to the presence of God in that moment. And that's wonderful. But I'll tell you this, it's not given to you for that reason. The spiritual gift of tongues, along with every other gift, has been given to you for the church. It's for the building up of the body of Christ and the common good. And so it's actually to be shared publicly with order, undergirded with love, asking permission and clarifying. And that's why the third... Of the spiritual gifts we're looking at today is so important because it's connected with the spiritual gift of tongues. It is the spiritual gift of interpretation of tongues. It's pretty clear, self-explanatory what this spiritual gift means. It's where God gives you the ability, the unique and divine God-given ability to understand what somebody else is saying when they pray or speak in tongues when nobody else understands. I would be lying if I told you I understand how this happens. I believe that the Holy Spirit gives you understanding and insight. And you probably feel like, I don't know how I know what they're saying, but I know what they're saying. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 28, because he wants to be very clear. He says, but if no one is present who can interpret, they, those speaking in tongues, must be silent in your church and speak in tongues to God privately. Because this gift, when you don't ask permission, when you don't clarify, when there is an interpretation, it can cause division and confusion and alienation. It's where spiritual abuse can really take place. So it must be interpreted. And if there's no interpreter, no speaking, must be quiet and pray in private. And I know that a lot of you are going to ask me this question. You're going to come up to me after the service, and you're going to say, okay, well, how do you ever discover if you have the spiritual gift of interpreting tongues if no one's ever allowed to speak in tongues corporately or publicly? Great question. Still discovering that. (laughs) See, we're taking the posture of learners. We have some ideas and some thoughts, but this is something that we're walking through together, and we're being open to the Spirit to teach us, and we hope that you'll come along with us on that journey. The next spiritual gift is the spiritual gift of intercession. This is a prayer gift. See, there's a spiritual discipline or practice of prayer, and then there's a spiritual gift of prayer. But many of us who don't have the spiritual gift of prayer or intercession, we pray and we're trying to be disciplined in it, but it feels like a simple saw. If you remember my analogy last week. It feels like a hard work and effort and focus and prayer doesn't maybe come natural. Something you have to work at. But some of you have the spiritual gift of prayer. You're an intercessor. It comes naturally. It's the chainsaw. And there's three different types of intercessors. There is the list type. Meaning you want every prayer request list there is. You want them all. You want to be on every Prayer request email chain in your community group, you write them all down because you have to have the list. You want to pray for people, you want to know exactly what to pray for, and you have a deep sense of urgency and excitement to pray over the list. Then there is the crisis type of intercessor. This is the person when they hear of a crisis in a family or in a church, an organization in the city, the spirit just moves in them to say, I got to pray for this family or this church or this crisis. And you will pray for an extended period of time until the Spirit releases you of that. And then there is the assigned type of intercessor. This is the person that feels assigned to an individual or to a church. The Spirit may say, I'm going to pray for that pastor or that leader, that friend, or that church. And oftentimes, if you are an assigned intercessor, you are assigned to somebody for your whole life to pray for them. What a great gift. So if this is your spiritual gift, it's prayer comes naturally to you. You have a deep sense of urgency to pray. You love to get the list possibly. When crisis arises, you have a, a desire to pray. You probably think we need more prayer in the service. Can we have more prayer, more extended prayer? It's a wonderful gift that supports the life and health of the church. The next spiritual gift, a uh, power gift, is faith. And this is different from saving faith. So important. This is not salvific faith, meaning this is not the faith that saves you by believing in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. It takes faith to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. It says it takes faith to please God and God pours his grace upon us through faith. But the spiritual gift of faith is different than believing in the good news of the gospel of Jesus. The spiritual gift of faith are the people that bring oxygen into the room. What I mean by that is these are the people that their faith and their belief in God is so deep-rooted that it takes a lot to discourage them. They claim the promises of God and his faithfulness. These are the people, when you are having a hard time and you feel like there's no hope and you feel like God has abandoned you and you feel like the adversity you're facing is never going to end, you want to get around them because they're going to tell you that God is going to move and God is going to do something and God is faithful and God is good. And let me, Let's walk together. Let's trust what he's going to do. Such an important gift to encourage the church and the individuals in the churches. We struggle through life. We need people of faith to come alongside us. The next power gift is discernment of spirits. This is the spiritual gift of discernment. Different from the spiritual practice of discernment, that is something that all followers of Christ are called to grow in, which is growing and learning how God has designed you and What is good and right and good for your flourishing as you discern life decisions and interactions. The spiritual gift of discernment is the God-given ability to determine truth, error, or evil. These are the people that see behind the curtain. You see the hidden source of something. It's like you have spiritual x-ray eyes. And you have either up, side, or down discernment. You could have all of them or one of them. Meaning... If you have the spiritual gift of discernment and the orientation is up, you can discern when God is really present. You see, God is present and active and alive in us for those of us of faith, and he is everywhere. But there are times where God's really near, and you can discern that. Then there's side discernment, which means that you can discern the motives of people. You know this because there's times where you maybe even with little interaction— you can discern and know something's going on with them. There's something happening in their life, in their relationship. They're frustrated. They may be smiling, but something's happening. Some of you have this gift because there's probably been times that I've been preaching and everybody else thought he's happy and he's just, you know, normal Carter. And then you were sitting there thinking, he had a hard week. Something is weighing heavy on him. He's frustrated about something. You discern that without even having any kind of intel. You can see the motives of people. And then there's down discernment, which is the ability to discern when demonic powers and strongholds are present. You can sense it and feel it. You may have one or all three of these types, and if this is you, you're the eyes of the church. See and discern what is good and right and true and even evil. We have three more of the spiritual power gifts. The next is words of knowledge and wisdom. Some people separate these into two. They may be one. Words of knowledge is where God gives you information about a person that you have no access to that brings humility to them, not humiliation, or healing to them, not hurt. This is where you're spending time with someone. You're at lunch or dinner. You have coffee with someone. You're in a small group and God gives you something to share or to say to someone that affects them in a way that you had no prior knowledge to. Maybe you, you said something or you encouraged something in them or you shared a verse with them and they look at you and they're like, you don't even know that what you just said is exactly what I'm going through. It's exactly what I needed to hear. It's like prophecy but for the individual. And then there's words of wisdom Words of wisdom is where God gives you um, a situational word on a regular basis for other people to show them their next steps in their spiritual journey. It's applied knowledge. It's, when again, when you're one-on-one with somebody or in a small group and you're in a setting and God gives you something you feel like, I just need to share with them that they need to go spend time with this person or they need to read this book or they need to read this chapter of the Bible or they need to hold on to these three steps that I think would really help them in their spiritual journey. And then they receive it, and then it produces great results in their life. It's not just knowledge and and thoughts and wisdom that is given to everybody. It is powerful for the spiritual journey of others. The last two is uh, the spiritual gifts of healing and then miracles. Some people have been given the spiritual gift of healing. It's important to say this, just because some people have been given the spiritual gift of healing does not mean that God can only heal through them. God can heal whenever he wants, whenever he, however he wants. He's God. But some people have given a spiritual gift of healing where they have an urge to pray for people and they have a desire and they're placed around people where they can pray for healing and God works in uncommon ways through their prayer to bring healing to someone's life. You see, there's two authorities and two places of healing that we see for the church in the New Testament. There's the office authority of healing, where you gather the elders together and you anoint someone with oil and lay hands on them and pray for healing. And then there's a gift authority, which are those that have the spiritual gift of healing. Jesus models this when he uses the spiritual gift of healing to heal people. Notice, though, he doesn't heal people. He doesn't heal all people whenever he wants as He's walking around. It's not like if you have the spiritual gift of healing, you're like, bad shoulder, bam. Hurt knee, phew. It's not like you have like, you know, in your hands. It's when God gives you permission to. You see, the Spirit moved in Christ and moved Him to heal as He was dependent upon the Spirit and following the Father's guidance. And if you have the spiritual gift of healing, you, have made, you may notice that there's times in your life where God is puts you in situations and gives you an urge to pray and to lay hands on someone and pray for healing, and God produces uncommon results. Not 100%, but uncommon results when you ask permission and clarify. The last spiritual gift is the spiritual gift of miracles or works of power. This is authority over nature and the demonic. You see, all Christians have been given positional authority over nature and the demonic because you are known by Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in and through you. But some people have been given the spiritual gift of miracles. It's a very unique gift. It oftentimes is realized and discovered by people that are placed in situations with constant or oppressive evil. And again, it's not a spiritual gift where it's like, well, I have this gift, so watch this. You like pick up a bench and you can move it over here or do some kind of like, Crazy thing. You're like, hey, you want it to rain? Rain. You know, like it's not this. But you may notice if you have this gift that there are times that the Spirit works in you to pray for things that would be miraculous. You take a risk in your faith in certain environments. It's, it's situational, it's spontaneous, and it's specific to a person in a situation for the sake of the church and the gospel. It's not for ego. Remember, it's undergirded with love. It's not boastful. I'm going to share with you um, a story that I've never shared from the pulpit, except for this morning at Pinecrest. And uh, I had an experience years ago when I went to India. And we were in this small church uh, in the slums of Bangalore. And I I was preaching in this church, and just wonderful community, and it was a great morning. And after the service the pastor came up to me kind of frantic, and he he looked at me, and he said, you have to come with me right now. You need to grab the oil. There's someone here that is possessed by a demon, and we need to cast it out. I was like, what? <laughs> uh, okay. He's like, she's been in and around uh, the church community for a while, and she's been possessed, and she came in today, and And just feel as if today is a day that we need to lay hands on her and cast this demon out. So grab the oil. Let's go. And, like, I wasn't even thinking. I was like, okay, where's the oil? Okay, let's go. So we go over to this woman. And I could tell something's wrong. Something was off. Her eyes looked, um, you know, just moving around. And her body was moving in a weird way. And she was mumbling things. I mean, something was off. And I remember thinking to myself, I have no idea what's going on here. And I prayed in that moment this. I said, God, I don't know what this is. I don't know if this is you know, a, a mental break and, and a mental issue. I don't know if this is some kind of emotional manipulation because we're here as guests and foreigners and they're creating an experience. I mean, the most skeptical things went through my head. i like, God, I don't know what this is. But this very well could be a woman possessed by a demonic or unclean spirit, and I don't want to err on the side of it not being that and treat this with contempt. So I was like, God, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to trust you here, and so we we anointed her with oil. We prayed over her for a period of time, and then at the very end, just felt the urge to say, and in Jesus' name, we cast out any unclean spirit, and the woman falls to the ground flat, doesn't move. I'm like, Wait a second. She opens her eyes. It looks like blood has come back to her skin, and her eyes look different now. And I couldn't understand what she's saying because it was translated to me. But she says, "I want to follow Jesus, and He's freed me." And still to this day, I'm uh, I'm sorting through that experience. I'm trying to figure out what happened. But what I was thinking about—I've been thinking about this all throughout this series is that if the spiritual gifts were all celebrated and used in a healthy way as they've been given to the church, maybe God would have prepared me for that experience that would have gave confirmation to me of how he wanted to use me. Maybe there would have been a prophetic word that was shared and was good in that corporate worship setting earlier that would have signaled me later and been reassuring Maybe when the gift of teaching was exercised in a moment in the service, something would have been said and a verse would have connected to what was about to take place even before they knew it. Maybe somebody that had the gift of discernment could have walked alongside of me and been in that situation and said, I, I really do think that there's something evil present here, and I'm, I'm discerning that. But because none of that was taking place, I'm still sorting through that. And I, this is so cool. I shared that this morning at Pinecrest. And at Crossbridge Pinecrest, and I had a, a woman uh, drop this note to me after the, the service. In the middle of the service, she walked over and handed it to me, and she says this. Pastor Carter, have faith. Believe that he who heals used you to heal her. Share with confidence that he was faithful even when you doubted he loves you. Right after the service, I had another person come up to me and say almost the exact same thing. And she had no idea that this was given to me. The gift of encouragement being used. See, it's beautiful when the spiritual gifts are used together. It brings health and beauty and love to the church. It demonstrates the love of Jesus, clarifies the nature and actions of God. It makes God known in the moment, his presence and his power. So what I want to encourage in all of us is if the Holy Spirit is confirming a gift in you tonight or previously, that we need to be a church that takes time Be patient. Be expectant. The Holy Spirit has given you gifts and he's going to make it known and lean on each other. Lean on your leaders. Lean on others. Lean on the community as God makes it known. This is all the gifts have been given for the building up of the body of Christ. Jesus came and lived a life that we couldn't, died a death that we deserve, was buried and rose from the grave so we could have a relationship with God through faith. Faith in Christ as our Savior, accepted and loved by God. And when Jesus ascended, he said, I'm not going to leave you alone, church. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has filled the church and the lives of the people of Christ and has given gifts to us. Not to keep to ourselves, but to use with one another for the sake of the church so that we might be a beacon of the gospel of grace in a city and an encouragement to one another as we seek to follow Christ together. So will you pray with me? God, we come to you this evening. We thank you that you're here with us. God, we thank you that Your presence is made known through the songs of your people, through prayer, through the reading and listening of your word. Holy Spirit, we ask tonight that we would all take the posture of a learner, that we would take time, that we would not be impatient with discovering our spiritual gifts that you have given us, that we would be expectant that we would lean on others to discern and have confirmation. Pray tonight, God, that you would confirm some gifts in your people, that it would be a memorable night, a meaningful night in that fashion, as you have called us to use them together for the benefit of each other, undergirded with love as we deploy them, as we ask and as we clarify. But God, use all of this so that we might Share this good news with our city that needs to know that you are available. (laughs) That faith is open to all through faith. God, we're accepted in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.